The following does not represent tax, legal, or financial advice, and does not claim a guarantee of results, as every situation is unique. It also may include the tasteful use of blue-collar language that some people might find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Let's talk about lies and talking to yourself. Why do people lie? The art of communication. Improving yourself. Your inner dialogue, the most important thing. We'll be covering all of these topics and more coming right up. So let's get started. I'm Anthony Crane from MoneyGodfather.com and this is... This is... Okay. And this is your Money Godfather podcast, where I guide you to find clarity in defining what you want and why. I help you to build a roadmap on how to get it, and I show you that you can have a great time while doing it. Because for you to be rich, you must first be free. I don't know what all that was about, but moving on. Why do people lie? I've touched up on this before, and... In a way, everybody lies. You have to actively censor yourself or stop and think about what you want to say if you want to be the exception of the rule. But the reasons why people lie is is just our way of communicating. Sometimes we lie because we think that's what the other person wants to hear or because it's our idea of being polite and not want to hurt anybody else's feelings. So that kind of lie is uh, deception. Like, for example, Hey man, I got a party this weekend. Are you coming? So how many times have you tried getting out of an outing with your friends? Because of whatever reason, you don't feel like it, you want to be alone, you have a friend visiting from out of town, I don't know. Whatever the reason is, you don't want to go. So instead of saying, I don't want to go because I don't feel like socializing with people, you say, ah, man, you know, uh, I already have plans. That's a lie, right? Or when somebody asks you, how do I look after they spent hours trying their best? Do you tell them the absolute brutal truth or do you tell them something along the lines of, yeah, you look. You look great, but you know what I would change would be that silver pleather jacket that you have on. Let's leave that one behind, okay? Another form of lying is exaggeration. And sometimes we only do these things so our story can seem more interesting. Like, man, I was in traffic and it took forever for that light to turn. And this guy was coming at like a thousand miles per hour and... I knew he was going to run the red light, so I let him pass, and lucky for me, I'm still alive, because if he hit me, he'd probably launch me into space. Or sometimes we like to reduce the severity or intensity or importance of a piece of information. Like, for example, how do you think most DUI stops go? The cop pulls over and is like, hey man, how many drinks have you had tonight? The answer is never like, dude, I am wasted. 
I had like 18 beers and I can hardly see straight. No, right? It's always, well, I had one or maybe two like hours ago with dinner and that's it. The fourth type of lie is lying by omission or as the French may say, omission. That is when you purposely withhold important information. Most times is to save our hiney from getting in trouble. Omission might be actually the most common form of lying. It's way too easy to come up with an example as teenagers, but I'm sure you can remember reporting to your parents, like, hey, how was your, how was your day at school today? It was fine. I don't want to talk about it. It really wasn't fun. You had a, a pop quiz and you failed it or your crush ended up rejecting you. But as adults, the consequences of lying by omission are a lot more severe. It can ruin friendships. It can ruin relationships. It can ruin your job, your reputation. I'm pretty sure if you asked all of your friends what they do in their time off or if they have a side hustle, what is it? They will most likely leave the part out that they have an OnlyFans account selling the pictures of their toes to the public and just leave it at uh, an adult entertainer, I guess. So if you catch your friends lying to you, don't take it personally. Don't hold it against them. Just acknowledge that it's a lie and, uh, and move on. Do with that information what you need to do. It's a form of communication. Communication is an art, like many arts out there. In French, it's communication. Most communication is actually nonverbal. It's not really about what you say, but how you say it. What inflections do you use? What words do you choose? It's very funny when you try to see a news article about the same event, facts, reported by different news outlets. One would say something like, and gas prices today are at an all-time high, never before seen, of $4.99 per gallon. And another news outlet might say, uh, and gas prices went up 20 cents per gallon, so that sucks. I don't know what news outlet would say that, but uh, you get my point. An example I like to use is the sentence, I didn't say I took your car to the party. That's one way to say it. But what if I said it, I didn't say I took your car to the party. Or I didn't say I took your car to the party. Or I didn't say I took your car to the party. You know, it all means different things, right? It implies different messages. And that's where communication gets very complicated. One thing you can always do is improve your vocabulary. Read stuff that is out of your comfort zone, like mechanics or electronics. Read books of different genres. It sounds really boring, but this is incredibly useful and it pays you dividends throughout your whole life. The bigger your vocabulary, the clearer are your ideas and people's understanding of the message that you're trying to convey. So learn how to talk more gooder. Also, your choice of vocabulary could give you credibility with some folks. 
it may make other people relate to you more. Like if you start saying y'all in the southern states. Or you say things like not even and like a lot. Like in California. Like driving your car like down the boulevard like it was a red light and like you were late for work already. You, you, uh, yeah. It can get very irritating. But you you know, it's it's communication. Communication is innocent, but pay attention to the choice of words and you will get a lot more clues of what the person is trying to say. Like when we were kids and our vocabulary is not very developed. So imagine you walk up to your father, right, as a kid, and you're like, Hello, Daddy. I'm seven years old. Or if... uh if if you have a, a higher intonation, uh, a more sensible of a more feminine persuasion and a softer voice, it will sound more like, Hello, Daddy. I'm seven years old. How you doing? More importantly, if uh, if that's what you sound like when you're seven years old, you should probably go see a doctor. But then you say something like, Hello, Daddy. I'm seven. I need your help. I seem to have misplaced my doohickey. Um, okay, what the hell is a doohickey? Or... Daddy, I seem to have misplaced my gadoinga and I need help recovering it. Or... Daddy, my gadoinga's on fire! So many questions would come to mind, right? Like, what the hell is a gadoinga? Why do you have one and how did you lose it? Or in case of the last example, you know, whatever thing is on fire, that's, that's, and that's what you're talking about. So you get it, right? Always be learning. It's never too late to improve. In fact, it will make things a lot easier if you start your business and want to get out of the rat race and become free, financially free, socially free, personally free, so you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, at any cost. When you start talking to attorneys, the difference between business attorneys and real estate attorneys, the difference between magistrate court and superior court, arbitrations and settlements, and find out how the law really works, especially in the United States. If you want to have a good idea of what goes on in court, it's open to the public. In most cases, you can just Check out the schedule and show up and sit in the pews or bleachers, if you want to call them that, and just watch. A simple truth is that not because a company settles out of court means that they were guilty of anything. Sometimes it's just more cost effective. There are unscrupulous people out there that are just looking to make a buck, and not in the most honest of ways. A friend of mine used to own what I could only describe as like, I don't know, it, it's, it was like an indoor playground for kids. They had bouncy houses and they had arcades and games and you name it. And one of those times, a lady had a slip and fall on the premises. And if uh, if you know anything about business, if somebody has a slip and fall in your business, they can come after you. And if it just so happens to be one of these unscrupulous people that I'm talking about, they will come after you, even if they're not hurt. So this lady sued my friend for a slip and fall. 
and she wanted $10,000. No specific reason. Uh, I mean, the reasons that they list are mostly emotional damage or something to that effect. $10,000 is relatively a lot of money, or not a lot of money, depending on who you ask, but I'd still assume it's a lot of money to most people. So his stance was uh, he lawyered up, and they went to arbitration. Arbitration is when you sit in front of a of a lawyer and you discuss your points and see if you can come to an agreement or a settlement before you go and uh, and do the whole process with the court. This is to save time and money. So during arbitration, uh, the lady said, yeah, I, I, I was really hurt and uh, I deserve $10,000. Okay, whether she does or not, it's not really important. Well, my friend's standpoint was, uh, ma'am, we have cameras everywhere. And on camera, I have that you tripped and you didn't even fall. You laughed it off and continued walking. So I'm not going to give you anything. And her response was, well, we'll still go to court and see what the judge says. That right there would have cost a few thousand dollars from my friend's business. It would have cost uh, time because you have to go to hearings and you have to follow up on the court's time. So it could be a couple of weeks. It could be a month. It could be a, a couple of months. Nobody knows. It depends how busy the courts are. So he said, you know what? How about we settle for $2,000? I give you $2,000 and you make this go away. She said, done. She jumped at the opportunity, said, yes, where do I sign? He paid her off, and they both moved on with their lives. So who was right and who was wrong? I don't know. Does it matter? She walked out with $2,000. He walked out with his time intact and his mental bandwidth that he can focus on his business. This might happen uh, to you if you decide to go into the landlording business and you have a tenant that just destroys your house on their way out because of whatever reason. They're disgruntled, they lost their job, got a divorce, whatever reason. They take it out on your house and they disappear. So then the question to you is, will you come after them? Because chances are that even if you have thousands of dollars in damages and you find that person and you get them to court, and you win, you still have to collect. Now you see how it can become more of a, a pain than it that is really worth. There's a lot of other ways to mitigate that and make sure that the tenants don't destroy your house, but you know that's outside the scope of, of this discussion for now. The point I'm trying to make is to understand what really goes on is important to be able to speak the language. At least some of it. You don't have to be an expert on all things legal. But the same thing applies when you're talking to, to accountants, to CPAs, certified public accountants, which it would behoove you to know the difference between taxable income and non-taxable income. What's a deduction? What's itemizing? And yeah, you heard me right. I said taxable income or non-taxable income. A very popular public figure infamously said not too long ago, I don't pay taxes because I'm smart. No, dude, what are you doing? Why would you ever say that? First of all, everybody pays taxes, all right? That's why he's in trouble right now. But he's not completely wrong. 
See, the name of the game is to try to pay as little taxes as possible, and this is made possible by owning a business. And owning a business can take many different shapes and forms, and it could be of many different sizes, and that'll be something we talk about some other time. But for now, just know, if you own a business, you can have non-taxable income, and that's really good news, because that means that the government doesn't take a share from that income. So you can start seeing the value of understanding these concepts and having the vocabulary to be able to keep up with this accountant and pick his brain on how to improve your stance. There is a huge difference between selling a house and making $200,000 or selling a house and taking four payments in four different years for $50,000 each. The big difference comes with how much you are taxed. Moving on. If you have any questions, talk to a certified public accountant. I'm not here to give you any kind of advice except learn more, learn the vocabulary. The single most important communication is your inner dialogue. How do you talk to yourself? That speaks volumes on other insights about yourself on how you may see the world. Different social classes obviously think differently, but how? So I can tell you by first-hand experience that if you see something that you want, let's say a new car, doesn't matter how expensive it is, working class will look at it and just say, I can't afford it. And that's it. Middle class will say, um, I need to sell some stuff, so I'm going to hold a garage sale and I'm going to see uh, what the trade-in value for my other car is and finance the rest. There's a lot of hesitation. Upper class will say, how can I afford it? How can I open a new stream of income that will pay for that car that I want or for that item that I want? So essentially, I can't afford it. I need to sell stuff to afford it. Or how can I afford it? Three different mentalities, but coming from the same people that breathe oxygen, and eat food like everybody else. I like this quote from Henry Ford that says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. I'll let that sink in for a minute. So what does that mean? That means if you are right now working class, or if you're a college student or a retiree, and you want to improve the conditions of your life, you have a choice. And it starts with your vocabulary, with your inner dialogue, with an idea to make a decision. It's not a delusion. It's the start of a movement. The power of an idea can move masses. That's why some governments are democratic and some are communist and some are socialist. Funny enough, that's also the reason why the value of a dollar is at the value of a dollar is because enough people believe in this idea. The dollar is, is a fiat currency. It's not backed up by anything solid. It used to be backed up by solid gold. But then the president took the dollar off the gold standard in the 70s and it just became 
credit-based, but that's something that we'll talk about some other time. So the power of an idea, the idea that this dollar is worth something and it can buy us this. Do we all agree? Yes. And if you're in the minority says no, then majority rules. So something like that goes on in your head when you make a decision to change your situation. If you keep hearing over and over, no, you can't do this. No, you are too young or too old or too inexperienced or overqualified. It's really tough to push past that. What you need is other people at your back saying, yes, you can do this because I'm doing it and I'm going to show you how. So you have no reason, no excuse to say that, no, you can't. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. You just have to pick them up. And your idea will be made more clear and more powerful the better you can express it, including to yourself. How can you convince yourself of a change if the idea is not strong enough? We have to make it strong enough that there is no doubt in your mind that you can do it. You can also see how the power of an idea can be misused in the wrong hands. We encounter this every day. I mentioned earlier toxic people. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people. It's just what they say is toxic. Like, you can't do this. You shouldn't think of that. Stop dreaming and get to work. So what I like to do is start with adding yet at the end of a statement that is negative. Like, you can't do that. Well, I can't do that yet, but I'm going to learn how. So that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about you. What are your skills? Is your knowledge marketable? What is your social value? Can you hold a conversation about anything? Are you always open to learn or do you already know it all? Out of all the supervisors I've had, one chief stands out and it's because he was the only one that said, I'm teachable. That was his way of using his assets to, to the best of their potential. He would tell us, if you know how to do something and do it better or easier, I'm teachable. Tell me. I want to hear it. And we might make a change, definitely. That always stuck with me. And it was at that point that I decided that I was going to be teachable too from then on. I was always going to be learning, always open to the idea of this person in front of me has something to teach me, even if it's something small, even if I have to dig for it, but there's something there that I could learn. As opposed to when I was 17, and I remember clearly that I knew everything already. There is nothing you can teach me. I'm 17. I'm on top of the world. Adults don't do nothing. They don't know nothing. They don't care about nothing except adult stuff. I know it all. If you're open to learn, you're more likable. People like you more. You're more humble and modest. A know-it-all is less likable. Comes across as narcissistic and arrogant and abrasive. They're the kind of people that you may be telling a story or recounting a memory or giving your opinion on something and they'll just interrupt me like, 
Um, actually, that is not quite correct. And then they start quoting like Wikipedia or, or some crap. Here is a life hack. You'll get this for free. If you just met somebody and you want them to like you, borrow something from them or ask them for help. That puts you immediately in the position of the former, of I'm teachable, I'm willing to learn, and I see value in you, and I want to learn from you, or I need your help with something. It puts people at ease, and you start earning points. Put your ego aside. It has nothing to do with your identity. It has to do with your willingness to grow. To always improve, to always get better. When you take a critical look at yourself and you see the skills that you have and what can you improve on, at some point, other people's negative opinions won't matter to you. If it's not constructive criticism, it will roll right off your back. A self assessment, being self critical, self aware, it puts things in perspective. The perspective is that. People's opinions don't really matter. No matter who you are, some people are going to like you, some people aren't. But when somebody gives you an opinion about you, or an observation, or a criticism, it shouldn't surprise you. It should be something that you can naturally retort, yeah, I know, I'm working on it. I really hope this inspired you to do just that. Assess yourself be critical, and find out what your skills are and how you can improve yourself. This will give you in the future the clarity later to tell you exactly what your purpose is. What is your next goal? What are you trying to accomplish? If you're always trying to accomplish something and you accomplish the small steps, it makes you a happier person. There are so many things in the world to learn that you should never consider it a race. There's no hurry and there's no end. It's a lifelong journey and it's very rewarding if you want it to be. I invite you to share this message with someone that you care about. And if I've earned it, please rate this episode and leave a comment so other people can see it, including myself. Every episode is an important piece to get you closer to freedom. I like ending by saying money does grow on trees. And guess what? The more that you know, the more you'll know what they look like. I gotta go and uh, start on making lunch now, but we'll talk again soon. Take care.